Hello, friends. Welcome to Nexus, a smart buildings technology podcast for smart humans. I'm your host, James Dice. If we haven't met before, I write a weekly newsletter on this same topic. It's also called Nexus. Each week, I share what I've learned, my opinions, and what I'm excited about in the quickly evolving world of intelligent buildings. Readers have called Nexus the best way to stay up to date on the future of this industry without all the marketing fluff. You can check it out and subscribe at nexus.substack.com or click the link in the show notes. Since starting the Nexus newsletter, many of you have reached out to me wanting to talk shop, and we have. After a few weeks of those wonderful conversations, I realized I needed to record and share them with our growing community. So here we are, the Nexus podcast is born. This is our chance to explore and learn with the brightest in our industry together. Episode 33 is a conversation with Ping Yao, CEO and co-founder of Optigo Networks. This episode is the second foray into networking that we've done on the podcast, and similar to the first one with Joe Gasparadoni, I'm not afraid to hide my ignorance or where I'm at on the learning curve here. Ping doesn't disappoint with his answers to my questions. He has some great ones, especially with IT versus OT and insights around BACnet that help me wrap my head around where things are moving on the networking level of smart buildings. All right, Ping, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time. Can you uh, start by introducing yourself for us? Sure. Thank you, James, for having me. Uh, my name is Ping. I am co-founder and CEO of a company called Optigo Networks, uh, based here in Vancouver, Canada. Awesome. Cool. So we're going to dive into a lot today. I'm excited. So can you take us through like pre-Optigo? Tell us about your career first and how you kind of got into uh, starting Optigo. Sure. I grew up in Montreal and went to University of Queen's University in Ontario, Canada. From there, I studied mathematics and engineering, kind of got put into semiconductors design. This is in the, in the mid-90s. When I graduated, I got a job with a semiconductor company here in Vancouver, Canada, uh, that specialized in networking chips. So I spent 12 years with this company called PMC Sierra, designing, developing, helping customers implement these networking chips, primarily ATM, Ethernet, Sonnet, these are our core networking technologies. Our customers were the OEM, the vendors that made boxes for the telcos. So the Verizon, the AT&Ts of the world, China Telecom to NTT in Japan, uh, France Telecom, Orange Telecom, so on. These were our customers' customers. So I was networking right off of graduation, got to learn the bits and bytes, and actually in this case were the CMOS, the NMOS, PMOS, inside the chip that made networking in the world work. Got fascinated by just this idea that the whole world was connected in this digital fabric and became super interested in how networking worked and, and continued to guide my career and still is today. In 2010-ish, there was a big growth in uh, technology called machine to machine, which today basically translated into the IoT, the Internet of Things. Machine to machine was more in the industrial world. The idea of machines being connected instead of people became a fascination for me. The idea that instead of connecting 7 billion people, perhaps everyone may one day get an iPad and a cell phone and a computer that may be three devices to this idea that everything. Now, whether it's a dumb thing or a smart thing might be connected, fascinating. And so it kind of got bit by a bug, developed this idea in my head of 
a, a smarter networking solution. Uh, spoke to a few experts and in particular, one gentleman, his name is Anton Hoffman. He wrote a paper for Realcom actually talking about a, a, a dual network, uh, dual core network for banking in Bahrain using optical networking. Uh, I got super fascinating because that was exactly what I wanted to focus on. Okay. I reached out to him and at first I was looking at the IT space. You know, how do we revamp the way we do networks, smarter, cheaper, easier to use for connecting cell phones and desktops and Wi-Fi access point. Right away, Anton said, forget that space. You've got to look at the space called smart buildings. Okay. Smart buildings. What are we talking about? In 2012, I went to my first Realcom. Um, okay. to incredible people from, you know, the, the leaders at Realcom to incredible CIOs and, and other leaders in the industry, lots of our friends between you and I. Mm-hmm. And the moment I saw what smart building was, realizing that every light, every door, every floor, panel, every wall could be connected one day to make the space where we spend 80, 90% of our time inside a conditioned space, smarter, better, just completely changed my, my view of, of my world, but particularly of networking. And so that's kind of the birth of Optimal Networks. We... We came back, I was super excited about bringing to this market an enabler to allow technology to be connected in a smarter way. Uh, and again, that's basically the foundation of where Optical became uh, a reality. So Anton had already started a company and you reached out and said, you know, I want to learn more about this. And he said, you know, focus on this. And you just joined him at that moment? No, actually, Anton was the CIO of a bank in Bahrain. They were building a brand new bank headquarter, understanding, oh, okay. and they wanted. I think they were the backers of a technology company, and they wanted to use their technology. So they ended up using optical networking inside a building, which at that time was unheard of. There may be some fiber optics, really just in the backbone. They use fiber optics right up to the desk, mm. and so he wrote a paper around that. That was the, 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 the general premise at the very, very beginning of optical networks was to you bring fiber all the way to the end of life, okay. to reduce the amount of space, the amount of uh, complexity, uh, provide more bandwidth. That was the, the general idea. So I reached out to him. I, again, he, was, he had just left the bank at that point to start his own consulting company. And I said, this article you wrote, I'd love to hear more. He, on his own dime, flew from Austria to Vancouver, met with my partner and I in our little apartment and just brainstorm for three days on this idea of revamping this world. Um, wow. So he's one of our advisors. He was a part of a very, very first advisor and supporter to what is now Optigo Networks. Got it. Got it. Yeah. My question there reveals my ignorance around networks. So Optigo is a type of network. Is that what you're saying? So Optigo, so the word Optigo comes uh-huh. from the word, uh, we, we just use a, a sound of optical, like fiber optics. I see. Okay. And we just replaced a CAL with GEO. But optical network is uh, just fiber optics in networks. Okay. Everyone that listens to this knows I'm not, I'm not afraid to look dumb. So I know, and then that's that's the important thing here is we have to continuously learn. Yeah. Very for sure. Cool. Well, that's a fascinating history. Thank uh, you. Yeah. So yeah, that would have been like smart buildings were just becoming a thing. And uh how far we've come, I guess, since oh then. my goodness. Yeah, it's 
and we still have so much to go. Yeah. So, and, and we're the babies of this industry. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm very aware. I get a lot of uh, notes and emails. Like we were talking about this 30 years ago, just to let yes, you know. It's like, it's like uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just bringing it up again. My bad. Uh, so, okay. So I have a, an episode coming oh, by the time this airs, it will have already aired. Uh, it is a mashup of everyone answering this question on the pod yes. from past podcasts. So yes. this is my favorite question, which is, uh, why is technology in our buildings so far behind technology, say in our pockets or in other areas? And I'd love to, like you have, I'm sure you have a unique answer. So what's, what, what do you think the reason we're behind is? Honestly, I don't think my answer will be much different than most, but okay. it's because the building industry came from brick and mortar, right? It, it came from pouring cement, rebar, looking at window technology, looking at better paint, better wall material, colliding with technology. It, it's a completely different world. Uh, the folks in our industry are very, very smart folks, but they're not looking at data, digital data. They're not looking at integration from a technology standpoint. They're looking at structure. Yeah. Building has to stand. It has <laughs> to stand for 50 years. I think it's that history of where it came from, mm -hmm. number one. Number two, inherently the technology, and when I say technology, I mean cement, rebar, I mean pouring concrete, the way we put up walls, which has tremendous investment going into. But this technology is designed to stand for 50 years. Yeah. Buildings are designed at their cost of total cost of ownership is estimated over 50 years. You're not looking at replacing a cell phone and it's not the same scale. We, we replace a cell phone on average every two years. Yeah. You're not replacing buildings every two years. So, so those two things, I think one is the history of where it came from. It came from brick and mortar. Again, very smart folks but their focus was long-standing technology, coupled with the fact that, again, their schedules were very different. Totally. So our industry has to collide with this fast-changing, fast-paced digital technology. You think that the iPhone is really not that old if you yeah. think in the scale of history, but the way we put up windows, again, there's a lot of innovation there, but not to the same pace as digital technology. Totally, yeah, love that answer. Cool. So let's dive into Optigo a little bit more. I want to understand, you know, you dove into this space and well, so first of all, it's a networking technology. You guys yeah. are solving networking problems. That's about all I know at this point. Uh, can you kind of paint the picture though of like, what is like the average building owners building network look like? And how do you guys then help with that situation? Okay. Yeah. So we'll start with the average building network. Again, yeah. there are exceptions. There's a lot of yeah. amazing building owners. You know, one of our directors is Jim at Boston Properties. They've done designs and buildings very, very advanced for many, many years. But he's an exception. He's the gold <laughs> yeah. standard, the gold star of the industry. Most of our customers' customers, in our case, we work with consultants and system integrators to put together systems. So their customers, the building owners, goes everything from duct taping a switch that they bought at the corner store uh, with wires hanging with a zap strap to structured network, you know, well-designed with IT coming in and sometimes over-designed, right? They spend $100,000 connecting a building automation system that is worth $200,000, right? So everything in between is extremely fragmented uh, and again, we have to keep in mind that in our case, the technology in buildings, when we talk about technology, I'm talking about digital technology, it's not new. 
DDC, one of the D stands for digital, but IP-based technology is relatively new. Right? We, we would talk, I'm sure you have lots of guests that come in and say, there are servers that are running on Windows 95, Windows 98, right? Yeah. That's, that's the history. So digital technology, the way we collect data and put into a data lake and process that perhaps with some big data technology or machine learning, that's very new in our industry. Mm-hmm. So these systems are a mishmash. I wouldn't even say siloed. It, it's throwing spaghetti at a wall. And if it sticks, you know, let's just put some duct tape on it and keep it, keep it there. Uh, it goes from that to, again, very over-designed structured networks. Because IT was called in and said, I heard that I need something called an IP address. That's clearly an IT function. Please come help me. IT comes in and says, well, these are the best practices for IT. We're going to do it this way. So very, very strong systems, very, very good systems, but maybe over-designed, over-performance for the need of it. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, so big, broad, wide spectrum, just like any other, you know, facet of a building. You just, Absolutely. You just come across so much diversity. Uh, you know, you can't make a whole lot of assumptions about our industry. So, that's right, that's right. Yeah. So I want to just hit this theme real quick. And, and in my course, we spent at least a half a week on this. And so I, I'm not an expert in it. I just know the basics. But we're talking about two separate sort of dichotomies here. So there's the IT and the OT. Can you kind of explain, just do a quick introduction on what people mean when they say IT versus OT and like in that big spectrum, like that mess <laughs> where we're at right now, like where does that fit in? And I guess what I'm thinking about is like you just said, digital has been around a long time, right? So digital on the OT side has been around forever. And then what you just said was connecting it to the IT network, giving it an IP address. That's the newish part, right? right? So can you kind of explain and give people an intro to that, those two different worlds, I guess? Sure. So first of all, let me just say that obviously everything I'm saying here is generalizing. I realize that it probably only covers slightly more than majority by saying these statements and especially every day people are learning more and are more progress in industry. So the generalization becomes less and less true. Okay. So I I just want to put that out there because often when we make statements like these people are like, well, no, but this project, we did that, that, that. Yes, there are amazing projects out there to point to. But to generalize, the way I define IT versus OT, IT is a function responsibility of creating a system for communicating between people. Okay, so you and I right now are on this video chat. We are communicating one person to another person. That's riding over a IT responsibility. OT is connecting machines. And and, and in our industry, we're going to focus OT in the building, right? So we're not talking about transportation or or healthcare OT or industrial OT. We're going to focus on the, the smart building, commercial building OT. It's a communication between machines. And these are sometimes very, very advanced machines and sometimes very, very dumb machines. And a, a dumb machine can be as simple as a sensor, right? It, yeah. All it does is collect pressure or all it does is collect temperature all the way to very, very advanced systems. But this is a function of creating a system to allow these machines to communicate between them. Very different type of data, very different behavior and very different priorities. Between you and I, if we knew someone else could listen on to this that we don't want to, although we're, we're doing a podcast here, so the more you have people listening, the better it is, obviously. We don't want that. We don't want facial recognition to be, to be done without our permission. We don't want a credit card information to be stolen, but used without our permission. 
So security privacy has quickly risen to be one of the top priority of, of IT functions, followed by performance, right? Now, keep in mind, uh, one quick note I want everyone to understand is that when we talk about performance, in general, for IT usage, when I'm browsing the internet, when I'm getting an email, when we are talking on telephone or video, the human mind allows some jitter and some lack of performance. If there's a slight delay between you and I right now, our brain wouldn't be able to catch that. In the machine world, machine runs in microseconds. So delays may not be as tolerable. Now, in some cases, it is very tolerable. Mm -hmm. So very, very different functions. But to come back to your question, IT to me is a way of connecting and exchanging information between people. OT, and to be more exact, operational technology is all the technology around it, but I'm going to focus on the communication aspect of OT is connecting and allowing the exchange of data between machines. Got it. Got it. So th this is fun because when we talk about smart buildings, just like as a whole, right, there are machine to machine use cases, right? Yes. Yes. Collect, collect data from the HVAC system, run analytics, maybe even do some sort of cool uh, new control sequence that can all be machine to machine, That's right. right? But then when we talk about other use cases for smart buildings, there are like people related use cases, engage an occupant, get their feedback, do this other thing and do this other thing over here, right? So there's, we're kind of blurring the lines already just with our use cases in that definition. And so how are you seeing the lines blurring, I guess? And, and is that a correct assumption that they're, they are blurring, I guess? Oh, very much, very yeah. much so. Okay. Uh, the easy case is I'm a facility manager. I want to be able to change programming. I go into a computer. I'm a human interacting with a machine. Is that IT crossing in over OT? In my definition, the answer is no, because I'm still OT function. Mm -hmm. My responsibility is on the OT side. So I'm in, interacting between OT and OT. That, that case is relatively easy to, to deal with. I'm inside a control room, I'm inside of a boiler room, and I need to interact with machines. The case where it starts to blur a lot is when we start bringing that information into kind of the finance world, into the business world. So if I'm a CFO of a building owner, and I want to be able to bring up my energy consumption real time, be able to see where I have leakage, where I have optimization. Now, Clearly, this person is not an OT responsibility function. Mm -hmm. Now it's crossing from IT to OT, IT to OT, bringing data back in. Mm -hmm. When there's optimization that goes between your calendar and, and the building automation system, that's crossing over for sure. So there's a lot of blurring of lines. A lot. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, that's really no different than saying, you know, my internet is not working well, is that my problem or is that my telco's problem right so blur of lines is just a normal function when systems get more and more complex and more connected yeah, yeah. at different levels yeah, yeah. for sure yeah. all right so we're, we're mixing the industry trends with your path but so your path was you, you said uh i'm going to start optigo take us through what you guys started with and kind of where you are today as far as the services you're offering sure when we sat down in 2012 we had this dream. Uh, our dream was to create this networking infrastructure for the smart building that would not only create a tunnel or conduit between point A and point B. That's relatively easy. That's already done. You can walk into a corner store or your, your best electronic store and buy a switch for $15 and be able to connect point A to point B. 
-hmm. That was easy. But we wanted to provide first that infrastructure that allows people to communicate. But second is we realized that, again, remembering what I said, the, the thing that attracted me to this industry was the idea that everything could be connected. So now we're talking about going to a building of modest size and connecting 5,000 devices. Well, if your infrastructure is very, very dumb, it's just a bunch of roads with no lights, no traffic signs, you're guaranteed to have problems. Same idea in, in IP networking, in digital networking. If you don't manage how data is exchanged and that be able to see when there's collisions, see when there's problems, be able to block things off, you are bound to have problems. Coming back to the road idea, if you have a road built for 10 houses, you probably don't need stop signs. You don't need traffic lights. You don't need yield signs. But when you're building a city with millions of cars, now you need all this management. Exact same idea. So we wanted to create an infrastructure not only that allowed the communication, but allowed to manage the quality of the system. Okay. And the third layer that we wanted to do is when you have a system with 5,000 devices, and by the way, 5,000 is not that much anymore today, but 5,000 connected devices, the likelihood of having a mistake, having a problem is very high, <laughs> whether it's a cyber hack or just a human error, right? I, I put the decimal point at the wrong place. I you know, copy and paste a, a code and I typed it wrong. You're bound to have mistakes. So how can we find these mistakes when you have 5,000 devices. It really is finding that needle and haystack kind of problem. Because the infrastructure is the one thing that's common to disconnect the system, whether it's lighting system or building automation, uh, climate system or indoor positioning, it's all riding on this network infrastructure. So we thought, let's provide a network that can connect everything. That's a primary function. Two is let's make sure we can redirect to direct the traffic so that it's it's working right. And third is being able to see when something is not going right. So that okay. was kind of a vision. And, and I can let you in long-term vision is we want to kind of close the loop and we're going to auto-tune. Oh, okay. Find a problem and we can already control it. Let's automatically redirect some traffic. We're not there. We're nowhere close to that. I can <laughs> tell you that. But that was where we started. So we started in the early years providing an infrastructure, network switches and routers, so people can connect their VAVs, their servers, their security cameras, their energy meters, and be able to manage it fairly easily. Okay. Uh, one big aspect uh, we, we look at is understanding the skills, understanding the priorities, understanding the ownership of our customers, which we'll talk later. <laughs> uh, and then we layered on top uh, network analytics on top of networks to uh, identify problems. Got it. Okay, cool. So this is fun because so a lot of people that follow this podcast are not IT people, including yep. me. So when you say network switches and routers, yep. I don't think there's like a, a lot of people that fully understand what that means. They might act like it, but what is a router and a switch? And then how are those different than what like Cisco sells on the IT side? Yeah, they're not different. A switch is a switch, a router is a router. You okay. can buy switches for $12. I'm not kidding you all the way to $10,000. The $12 switch might have five ports and your $10,000 switch might only have 24 ports. So, so the, the reason why you go from a $12 to a $10,000 is not because of the number of ports or even the performance, by the way. So I switched to the switch and I'll explain what that is and a router is a router. Uh, a switch, uh, we're going to continue on the road idea. Okay. You can think of a switch being the roads that connect 
the U.S. You could right now go in the car and go anywhere in the U.S. Mm-hmm. No border check with no restriction. A switch or network of switch, a series of switches, creates an unrestricted network, basically. Okay. I'll come back to that. A router is basically a borders. So I'm in Vancouver, Canada, you're in the U.S. If mm-hmm. you want to come over, you have to go through a checkpoint. Um, the border, you check your passport, and yes, they're allowed in. That's basically what a router, the difference between router and switches, roughly speaking. Okay. The example may be closer to a firewall, but but roughly speaking, we can think of that. So switches, you can do a lot with just switches, but without switches, it means you create this unrestricted network. And if your system has 5,000 devices, then an unrestricted 5,000 device network might be a little too chatty. It might be too busy. Got it. Um, Okay. All right, so where are you at today? So you, you talked about those three levels. Are those the three levels that you're sort of bringing to market today? As It is, okay. it is. And I, I wanna to touch on one point that you mentioned because a lot of your listeners are, they understand enough about IT to apply what they need to do from the OT side, from building yeah. automation or security or energy or whatever it is, uh, using IT to do it. Just like a lot of us understand a little bit of programming to go to program our, our TV remote or maybe doing a little bit of basic IFTTT. Mm-hmm. That is probably the single most important attribute that we look at on going to market. So as I said, a network switch is a network switch, a network router is a network router. But we understand that our users, the majority of the cases are, are building professionals, our operational technology professionals. They understand air pressure, they understand angle of camera, they understand lumens, they understand that stuff. When it comes to IP address, MAC address, multicast, you know, proxy of ARP, that's getting a little bit outside of their grasp. Okay. So what we want to do is we want to provide them a solution that they can use to create a scalable, secure network infrastructure at their level of knowledge and skills and meeting their requirements. So let me expand on that. If you buy uh, a mid-range commercial level or enterprise grade network switch because you need to manage it, as I said, you wanna restrict certain things, Mm -hmm. you're likely to be having to learn about command line interface Mm -hmm. or very complicated approaches to set up very basic network functions. One very basic network function is I'm only allowing this thermostat that's connected that port to communicate, nothing else. That simple function sometimes can be applied using something we call Mac filtering, not important. But if I gave you an IT grade switch, it would likely take you a couple of days to figure it out. And then a couple of minutes once you figure it out to apply it. Wow, okay. What we try to do, we bring simplicity to our industry. We're saying that function is important. So we're going to do all the complexity underneath the hood and we're going to give you an easy button. Basically. Okay. So we help our customers by creating scalable and secure networks mm-hmm. with a very, very easy approach. We, I will tell you that a lot of our business model was taken and modeling uh, the iPod and iTunes. Okay. Uh, I, like, I love to say that story. I don't know how old you are, but I remember when MP3 players first came out in the early 2000s, be able to get free of CDs was magical. But these MP3 players would take, you know, you would have to rip the music off the CD, encode it, load it. It could only take 32 megs, five songs. It was 
quite complex. It, you were only targeting the hobbyists and the experts, the people yeah. who were comfortable with computers. Yeah, I, I had a Walkman, but then I didn't take that step. I just went straight from there to the first iPod. And, and, and 95% of the world did that, probably yeah. higher than that, including my dad. iTunes came out and my dad thought it was the most magical thing. And he downloaded <laughs> every Elvis song that was, we paid a lot of money, but it was instantaneous. It, you knew what you wanted to do. And, and it appeared in your ears, that, that music was in your ears without having to learn all this complex thing. Same thing here. If I'm a project manager for a lighting control system, I know that I need to assign IP addresses to these. And I know that because my customer, the engineer or the building owner said, well, we have to secure these. I know I need to do that. So how do I do it? We provide you an interface that makes it much, much, much easier to do. Um, one. The, the second thing we do is we focus on this industry. So we understand the protocols that are happening in this industry. In particular, BACnet, we're not going to dive into that, but our, when we say you want know, to identify problems in the network, our so software is called Visual BACnet, is to look at BACnet issues. Okay. Which from an IT point of view, BACnet is just another protocol. They can't dive into it. They don't understand what a BBMD is and so on. Um, so to answer your original question, we do have now network switches and routers. We have the network management software to make it easier for you to manage and create and maintain these systems for your owners, for your customers for 10, 15, 20 years. And then we also have this network analytics to be able to identify problems in your system at the network. Got level. it. Got it. Fascinating. So it's like so, sort of like taking some IT concepts and making them easy for people that know about HVAC for 100%. instance, to implement them. Got exactly. It. That's okay. that's exactly correct. That's exactly okay. correct. Uh, that understanding me. their language, understanding what they know, what they don't, understand where they buy from, right? mm -hmm. so the, the, the sourcing channel, where they buy from, uh, be able to have our products available through their channel, and also partnering with, you know, our, our Trillium Jace and partnering with uh, Distech and Allerton. These are the, the brands that are used in this industry, and it's not IBM. I'm sorry to IBM if they're listening, but, uh, yeah. you know, there may be on the energy analytics side, there may be some stuff, but when it came, comes to the, the interconnected system, uh, it's the Johnson Controls, the Siemens, the Honeywell that, that play in that space. Got it. So your clients are contractors and yes. distributors. Correct. Okay. Correct. Cool. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I do want to nerd out on BACnet just a little bit. Sure. So yeah. there, there's lots of people that listen to this that are in that world as well. So is there like a top three list, a top five list of the ways that backnet networks get effed up? Oh, <laughs> that you, that you guys find? Uh, sure. I, I think I could come up with it off the top of my head. Yeah. I think so, the important thing to first understand is there may be a lot of arguments against backnet. There are weaknesses and there are problems with backnet. But the reality is backnet is the protocol of choice of our industry for mm -hmm. building automation at this moment. It's not going to go anywhere. So uh, without diving into it, it's the same story as beta versus VHS. It's the same story as HD DVD versus Blu-ray. Same story as Ethernet versus ATM. Anyone who's listens there, if you want to look it up, look it up. If you want more questions, reach out to me. But these are all stories where the superior technology lost to the more popular technology. Okay, so all three that I mentioned there, the superior technology, the technology could do more maybe more effectively, efficiently lost to the more popular technology, okay? But BACnet is used in about 80% of new deployment in building automation uses BACnet. 
our understanding is close to about 65% of smart building automation systems use BACnet today. They're not all over IT or IP to be exact. Okay? They're all digital, but they may not be IT grade technology protocols. Right. Uh, BACnet, put in short, is just a, a language that allows two machines to talk to each other, be able to say, what's the temperature? Are you on, you off? If you're not on, please turn on. It's basically that simple. Okay? It's just a language. Mm-hmm. The top three problems in BACnet. Uh, problem number one would be that BACnet is designed with a broadcast in mind. Uh, when a, again, there are, there are ways to not do this, but let me put it in simple terms. When a thermostat detects a change in temperature, it sends the whole world, my temperature is 21 degrees or 79 degrees. Uh-huh. It sends the entire world, even though only one other device really cares about it. Right. So if you go into a building with a thousand thermostats, and they're all reporting a change of temperature every 15 seconds, well, you have a lot of broadcasting, yeah. a lot of okay. noise on the network. So that's the number one problem. And when the systems are small, if we're in a room of 10 people and we're all shouting at each other, we probably could have a conversation. It'd be difficult, but we could have a conversation. But you put yourself in an auditorium and with a thousand people, we all talk at the same time, that wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. Same idea here. So back in the systems, they kind of work, 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 and then after the other kind of fall off a cliff. Okay. <laughs> number one problem is the amount of broadcast. The number two problem, um, which is more of a human problem, is that because BACnet is an open protocol, it allows interoperability. So if I'm a building owner, I'm a university, a pharma, an airport, I don't have to lock myself down to one vendor, which is a beautiful thing in business. So I'm going to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to use this company for that part. I'm going to use that company for this part. But I want all of you to talk to each other because I want to have it on this pretty dashboard. Mm-hmm. You will see everything. I want to use my one front end to be able to program everything. So you have multiple vendors coming in, putting in their things. They do all talk to each other. But then, you know, James comes in. He puts in a device, uh, variable air volume, you know, a, a duck basically. And you're going to call it device one, two, three. And then me ping, I come in tomorrow and I put in a, a VAV or variable air volume uh, in the next room next to you. And well, I'm also going to call it one, two, three. Hmm. Right? It's not your fault. It's not my fault. But now you go in the system, you say, hey, one, two, three, are you on? And they both reply. Two responses. Two okay. responses. Um, so big problem. You don't know which one you can control. That's what we call a, a conflict uh, in ID or conflict in address. Okay. That's a common problem and it can cause serious, serious problem in your system. Uh, and they are very, very hard to find. Because if you okay. leave and I leave, now what? <laughs> right? Because okay. we say, who is one, two, three? Your software is going to report the last person that replied. Oh, okay. So you might not even realize. You might, you it. might yeah. not even know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. The third problem. Uh, third problem would be, well, because BACnet's been around since the 80s, uh, thanks to uh, fantastic guys in northeastern US, BACnet started as a non-IP protocol. So the transition from, uh, and it's over what we call MSTP, as a two-wire, but not IP, fairly low performance, but, but used a lot and very, very good technology. But now that transition to IP. So unless you go to a brand new building, the majority of the buildings, the 2 million commercial buildings we have in the U.S., the majority of them will be a mismatch of it. 
you know, you have some old stuff, some new things, and then that transition from one to the other sometimes gets pretty cumbersome. Yeah. Yeah. The way, the way I've seen that is I'll go into a building and you might have, uh, and I, I've done a lot of just like collecting data for analytics, right? Yes. You go into a building and you see, okay, I have newer supervisory controllers. They're on the IP network. And then everything underneath them is just like a mishmash of like, we did this network in 1994 and we did this network in 97. And it's just like, yeah, it's, it's a mess that's underneath. Right. That's right, that's right. Actually, I would add one thing that to just continue on what you just said there, the trend of analytics. Um, I'm, I'm going to call it environmental analytics, but energy analytics or, you know, your, your old employers. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very powerful concept to be able to identify areas that could be optimized. Yeah. But all of these technologies put more strain on the system, right? You went in, you applied and you want to collect data. The system was maybe already hanging by a thread, but it was hanging by a thread. So therefore it was working. And then now you add, you know, 10 poles per second and the whole thing goes down to the drain, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. These old, old systems where they layer on top new technology and the old foundation can't handle it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I've had a lot of uh, BAS contractors like hear what I want to do. Right. Uh, I think a lot of people that do analytics could, could sympathize with this and, and they just like trash the project immediately. Like like you're going to bring down the network. Right. And so so how do you, how do you guys see that show up and how do you sort of handle it when you're involved? I don't want this to turn it into a sales pitch. Uh, If it's a backnet system, we, recommend they try our product, Visual Backnet, get, an, get a sense of the quality of the network. Mm-hmm. So if the network is hanging by thread, well, before you go and apply some energy analytics, let's bring a little bit of margin. Let's, let's make your system a little less chatty, uh, make more room for the added strain that we're going to add on top of it. And then when you do apply it, let's just analyze it again, make sure that it's, it's working right, that you didn't... Uh, suddenly add some poles and it looks like it's working, but you just delayed everything by 10 seconds. Yeah. So that graphics that the, the engineer is looking at is always reading things from like five minutes ago, mm. especially in data center. That, that would be a big no-no. Don't do that. Yeah. 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 I think a lot of people are out there like, well, I'll throw in my gateway and I'll do some polling and if nothing breaks, I'm good. And, yeah. and then maybe I'll increase the pace of the polling or That's the, right. the decrease the interval uh, if nothing breaks and I'll just yeah. keep keep seeing if I cause problems. Yeah, so, and I'll give you yeah. a, a fun story if you want to geek out. We often hear a story of, well, the system wasn't that performant, so we replaced all our switches from 10 megabit per second to 100 megabit per second or giggy, uh, gigabit per second switches. Okay. Um, let me give you the analogy of the road. That would be the same thing as saying, I'm going to fix my traffic problem by making my lanes wider up to that intersection, right? <laughs> yeah, right. So, so you get you get to the problem faster. <laughs> so uh, again, it's it's a very complex problem. But if a network feels slow, increasing the performance in the network may not be the answer. Okay. It's the same thing as saying, you know, my traffic is really bad on my on my roads. I'm just going to widen my roads up to the traffic light, so right. you just can get to the traffic light faster. <laughs> And sit there. Last time to get there, but you're still going to wait just as long. So it's, it's not that's like long. the people that like to tailgate when like the light is red. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, you're like, why are, why are we going to hurry up to this red light? That's, that's Help right. me understand this. <laughs> uh, cool. All right. That, that helps me understand kind of what's going on. I always like to ask these questions to figure out like what's going on out there generally. Uh, nice. and that's super helpful. Yeah. So now that we've painted this context and like yes. the world you guys play, like talk a little bit more about the IT versus OT and mm. how they're kind of uh, blending together. And the, the reason I want to bring this up is because just full disclosure for everyone, Matt Schwartz and I did yes. this series of interviews about the, the building automation system world, right? Mm-hmm. And you guys had emailed and reached out and said, hey, I want to offer just a little bit different perspective on some of the IT pieces. And so I want to give you a chance to kind of like give your opinion around this. But basically Matt's sentiment was, hey, like we have this IT team, let's just basically, and I'm paraphrasing, throw all the networking related stuff onto them. It's their responsibility. Let them handle it, let them manage it, let them decide how we're going to do things. And what I think what he's painting the picture of, right, is now that we have all these connected devices, they're all coming onto the IP network at some level. Why don't we just hand the responsibility over to the people that already are working at the IP level in this building or He's already talking about the portfolio level too. So these centralized IT groups, right? That are like, just let's just hand it over to them, I think. And maybe he'll, he'll respond at some point and say I'm paraphrasing wrong. But what would you say to the people that are saying, you know, why are we keeping things separate right now? Yeah. First of all, I think it's important that we, we don't look at it as IT versus OT, but more mm-hmm. the world of IT and OT. Right, okay. that blur line and, and understanding, mm-hmm. understanding the two sides to make the right decisions. So, I would say, and, and, and full disclosure, we are a big supporter. We encourage people to separate OT, mm-hmm. separate the network, OT, and then create connection between the two. Okay, so like intentional connection. Yeah, yeah. So we're okay. not saying air gap. We're saying mm-hmm. you create two systems and you create a bridge between them, and you monitor that bridge you mm-hmm. watch that bridge you build extra firewalls on that bridge that's what we encourage to do but let me back up and explain why our view is that way first of all it's not a technology question it's not a performance problem it's a people problem okay if a new building is being built okay let's use that as an example and the owner says i want my system my OT system, security cameras, lighting, elevators, indoor positioning, to be on my IT network, fantastic. The simple question to ask is, is IT gonna be now responsible for the construction phase and all the responsibilities of OT? If the IT director, VP, CIO says, yes, I will take on understanding what a BBMD is, understanding what a VAV is, understanding that my updates to my building automation system might happen on Black Friday and not on Monday, then fantastic. That's amazing. If an expert in informational technology with the background, the expertise of privacy, cybersecurity, networking, virtual machines, all that stuff is willing to take on the responsibility of all the infrastructure of OT. Amazing. And you should take that that opportunity. So let me repeat that. If you're a contractor, for example, you've been tasked to build a building automation system, Mm -hmm. and now you need 100 drops, network drops. And the CIO says, I will support you. I understand that you need to install this before my team is even present. I understand that I will support you so that when I update my Windows 
uh, servers, I will notify you and it may not happen when I want it to happen. I will support you when that Black Friday program update needs to happen, even though my team is offline. If the answer is yes, pick them up on the offer. You will save a lot of headache, you will save a lot of cost. But if the answer is, whoa, hold on, you're saying that I cannot update your Windows server when I want to update it. You're saying that you need a thousand IP addresses and I'm only giving you a pool of 256. You're saying that you need a drop, a network drop on the rooftop. You're saying that you need the system to be operational before I even move in. I cannot do that. Then the consideration of having a dedicated OT network that mm. an OT professional can manage, operate, design with the help of the IT counterpart now makes more sense. So it is a people problem. It's a people mm. challenge. If the people responsible for the system fall and work over OT side, amazing. If the IT professionals cannot take on that responsibility and accountability, then you should look at either bringing expertise from the IT side, dedicate it to the OT professionals, OT function, or growing that knowledge within the OT function. Hmm. This is an area where I feel like we're, we're trying to make a little bit of a, like people want to make blanket generalizations, but each building's different. So you go into the guts of a building, they're all different. Each organization that manages those different buildings is all, right. they're all different, right? So sure. yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Um, and, I, and if I can continue, I will also say, we came up with this argument seven, eight years ago. It was a tough argument to present. Okay. We lost a lot of battles. What argument do you mean? Separate OT, to separate okay. OT from IT. Mm -hmm. uh, there were many cases where they said, you know what, we're gonna converge, IT will take care of it. Uh, and I can tell you factually, that a lot of projects in the last five years, now that they're up and running, now that they went through that journey, realize the next time, you know what? I'm gonna get an IT guy or gal to work with the OT professionals to get them what they need, but it's an OT function now. Hmm. It's an operational technology function. So I can tell you factually that in the last two, three years, we have heard a lot of evidence of organizations that went from one and now going to the other because the, the pain point was so high that they're shifting the way they're doing it, including IT groups that are saying, you know what, let's separate the two. We're still responsible for mm. the tunnel, for that pipe, for that firewall, but you put in the network that you need. If you need a drop in the rooftop, you bring it there. Okay, I see. But they're gonna then run all that through their other processes. That's right. Yeah. So they can still choke everything. They can still do all their cybersecurity assessments from there, but it's one place to choke as opposed to this, this big web that everything goes in and out. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. I'm just like noticing these like different opinions and, and this is a good education for me is to understand like the basics and then, then I can understand the different perspectives. So that's, that's kind of the road I'm on. So yeah. cool. Um, anything else there? A lot, but I think that's enough for now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's good. That's great. Um, cool. So I, I did want to ask you about, so right now what we have in the state of the art with buildings, right, is that we have all these different silos, yes. HVAC, lighting, access control, elevators. And what we have as a smart building right now is like 
we have smart silos, uh, <laughs> essentially, right? So we're getting right. smarter in each of our silos and the smartest of the smart buildings are then thinking about, okay, are there use cases for technology that start to connect silos together, right? So mm -hmm. uh, should we connect HVAC and lighting? Like you said, should we connect my calendar with the conference room booking system with the HVAC system, like that type of thing. And so from a networking standpoint, this is something that I don't understand. How should that be implemented when we start to think about connecting silos together? Yeah, there are a lot of silos right now. It is getting much, much, much better. And in general, um, at the networking layer, there are almost no silos anymore. And if there are silos, they are designed to be that way. Okay. I want an IT silo. I want a security and surveillance silo. And mm -hmm. then I'll put everything else operational on a different silo. That's a decision that they make for, again, responsibility, ownership, and cybersecurity sake most of the time. Okay. I want to say that, again, it's not a technology thing. It's a decision thing. Um, I think coming back to the theme of this part here, you're asking about trends. Probably the biggest trend we've seen in the last four or five years is this emergence of what people call MSIs, Master System Integrators. Okay. I don't particularly love the, the name, um, but to me, it's a, it's a building technology consultant, a fantastic idea. Someone who can look at it from a holistic point of view and say, okay, let's not look at climate control just on its own. Let's not look at waste management just on its own. Let's not look at parking system just on its own. Holistically, as an organization, what do we want to do and apply the technology to that? Therefore, if you do need things to communicate with each other, should we integrate at the networking layer? Should we integrate at different layers? Uh, integrate as in uh, uh, flatten it out at different layers. So one of the biggest trends is using these technology experts at the smart building side. Okay. Right? The, the stuff that you're teaching mm -hmm. to understand a holistic view of the technology and buildings they're making that decision on what there's a correct architecture yeah so what's the use case and then that's after right. the use case how do we implement it that's right that's right because okay. it may be cases for example i'll use an example here i'm going to put some solar panels on my campus and the solar panel does not need to communicate with anything else all i need is the vendor or contractor that's installing it to be able to manage it monitor it and maybe i want to pull in data to know that financially i'm getting the savings i'm expected mm -hmm. if that's the case bring it to the cloud and bring it back down they, mm -hmm. they, so intentionally make a different silo because that decision is saying you know what i'm going to silo it because then from a cost point of view from a responsibility accountability point of view it's all in one box i can choke one neck right basically <laughs> right um Whereas using the calendar example, if I'm going to do a lot of calendar exchange to my building automation system and always going up and down to the cloud might be costly. Number one might have some security issues. Then let's integrate at the network layer or at the database layer or mm -hmm. whatnot. So I am not answering your question directly. I, it, it comes down to really understanding the business needs here. Love it. Cool. <laughs> so. We, we talked a little bit before we started to hit and record about the course. I know this is something you're super passionate about too. So what we need, in my opinion, is people that understand these different silos, right? So we have very, very siloed people as well in our industry. And what we talked about before is like, we, we also need building owners to start to understand some of this stuff. It's very complicated. And like you said, someone's neck to choke. Well, we also need some generalist skills 
as well. So that, that's like one area of education I think is needed, right? Uh, what are your thoughts around like, where can we go as far as closing these like skills gaps in our industry? Yeah, we, we talked about this right, right before starting. I think one of the most important thing as an industry that we need to focus on is everything education. Is every owner, every business, whether you're a building owner, you're consultant, engineer, contractor, vendor, we need to spend more dollars on educating our staff. We need to allow them access to courses. We need to help them learn. We need to create some exchange programs because it comes back to that conversation of IT and OT. If we are hoping that IT will take over OT, then this industry might go away. The alternative is we teach the knowledge necessary in OT to have that basic IT function. Hmm. Let me back up a little bit. When you go to school, we take mathematics. And mathematics is so important now that no matter what track you take in university, there's some basic mathematics. Right. Right. Whether you go in economics or teaching or education, or whether you go in finance, whether you go in programming, software, engineering, there's some level of mathematics. Same idea here. Hmm. I don't think we need an IT expert in every organization. I'm talking about small organizations that understands everything from VMs to OS updates and, and SAML. And I'm throwing names because I'm, I'm expecting people not to understand these things. Mm-hmm. But we do need everyone to have that basic knowledge of IT. We need everyone to have that basic knowledge of finance. We need everyone to have basic knowledge of programming. In today's world, everything has some level of programming. Right. So the long story short is I think we as an industry need to spend time perhaps together to create some sort of consortium, help each other out, grow knowledge, whether it's understanding finance and smart building or understanding what a MAC address is uh, so that we can elevate the knowledge in this industry. There are other industries parallel that have created educational bodies. Uh, one in particular that I admire very much is called Bixi in the structural cabling side. They've done a fantastic job of creating curriculums. Okay. There's no reason why us as an industry cannot create some general curriculum without creating competition, but really opening up opportunities to help our staff, young or old, to learn more and, and advance our industry. Hmm. So I don't have enough time, but I'm hoping with the help of others like yourself that we can start coming together and create. And, and it doesn't mean that you know we have to start one organization that's paid and whatnot, but you know, you teach that, I teach this, and maybe mm-hmm. I'll exchange my staff for a month with yours so that they can learn this part and I can learn <laughs> that part. It could be fantastic. Cool. Yeah, I totally agree. It's like we can't expect the silos to come down, the building to operate like we want to without everybody kind of crossing the people uh, gaps we have or the people that's boundaries. Right. That's right. So that's right. Cool, Ping. Well, I appreciate uh, coming on the show, educating me and everyone else. Thanks so much, and we'll uh, talk soon. Thank you very much, James. Keep doing what you're doing. It's awesome. Thanks. All right, friends. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nexus Podcast. For more episodes like this and to get the weekly Nexus newsletter, please subscribe at nexus.substack.com. You can find show notes for this conversation there as well. As always, please reach out on LinkedIn with any thoughts on this episode. I'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.